welcome to the Bakesh Podcast. I'm Don. I'm Scott. That's it. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in this week. We'll talk to you next time. That's, yeah. <laughs> I hope they didn't really turn it off. We really no, had a pause the there. shortest podcast ever. Mm-hmm. Get a record for that. Oh, that's disgusting. What happened? Hmm. Uh-oh. My Apple Pencil died, I think. Uh-oh. Oh, it's not a big deal. It recharges quickly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't own anything Apple. Actually, I don't know. If two become one, then yes, I own, own stuff that's Apple because oh, no, my wife is a graphic designer, uses Apple stuff. And I am not a graphic designer, but I have slowly but surely been tricked into Apple. Okay. So I don't know how okay. that happens, but it's happened. Yeah, I don't know much about Apple I had, products. I went through a series of Android phones having oddball problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the last one, I went to the T-Mobile store and I was like, what? phone should i get that's not gonna have dumb problems and the guy said to tell you the truth the only ones we see without like weird oddball inconsistencies are iphones okay and he's like and if you don't like it you have 14 days to return it and i was like fine i'll take the switch and uh i got iphone and that was three years ago and i've been i and i've always had like various like i usually use apple computers mm-hmm. um because i've had to use them for work so just kind of having that same thing between home and work has always been how i've gone so once you start using like your iphone in conjunction with the way it works with your apple computer it's kind of a game changer okay so and i i had a first generation ipad that we bought when i owned a landscaping business and it did its job uh, but it didn't have the ability to print and because it was before air print and all oh, that stuff happened. Okay. So uh, I sold it and got an Android tablet because I was like, well, the landscaping business went away and I didn't care about printing anymore. And the Nexus 7 came out and I was like, oh, that looks awesome. And I had Android phones. Okay. So I was like, oh, they'll work together and they'll be buddies. Um, so I had... I had some Android behind me. Okay. I had years of Android. The last one I had was a Nexus 6. Okay. That was my last Android phone. That was a good one. That was a good one. Oh, you would think so. Oh, just kidding. It wasn't no, a good it was one? A piece of stuff. Oh, just kidding. Stuff, stuff, stuff. See, me, I'm still an Android. I'm too broke to be Apple. Well, the apples um, that I buy are usually, I mean, this is a three-year-old Apple. Okay. So I so. usually buy like... <laughs> Motorola's have been what I've kind of been going with and they've kind of mostly open and you know not a lot of bloatware and they stay fairly close to to the original structure and they've held up to my torturous phone usage um and then recently that broke and I bought a a used Pixel online uh Pixel 3 from um eBay and ah. so yeah I mean so far I like it and yeah if if Pixel would have been affordable at the time when yes. I was switching over. I probably would have still been on Android. But when I was switching over, it was a matter of, it was kind of a matter of price. And also, like, my wife was also on Android at the time, and her phone was just having its own set of weirdness. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, it's a good time to try something new. Mm-hmm. Well, so now, now I use an iPad Air for half of our <laughs> <laughs> podcast stuff and. Well, pixels are still really expensive. Again, like when I say expensive, though, like I'm not willing to spend too much more than 300 on a phone. And even yeah. then, 
and I'm just hard on them. And I work in, I mean, I work in the schools, so, man, I set that down somewhere. And, um, if it's a legit phone, like it's gone. So, right. um, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, it does what I needed to do. And you have a, I know Android had it when I had it though. Like, track your phone down kind of thing yeah i think there's an app that i could probably do that it would it's not native beep it or i don't know if it's native. well again this i haven't had a google phone in a while so like i'm pretty sure you can remote wipe it really so like you can make it you can make it ring or sound off um and then you can lock it and then i think you can remote wipe it Ooh. but you also can gps track it okay and that's so, a google thing i'm pretty sure i know it might be a, like a third party but i thought it came on a lot of phones okay check into it yeah because i have it enabled on all of our because i I think there's a third party something on there that if i paid some money i could wipe it no no no, look for the free one okay there is a native i'm pretty sure there's a more native because apple obviously has it all built in so like every so like if this ipad comes up missing i can make it make noise or i can wipe it if i need to so or I can leave it on my iCloud mm-hmm. and report it as stolen and it will lock it. So whoever steals it will never be able to get into it anyway. Oh, okay. Until I remove it from my iCloud. Okay. So okay. I can just ruin somebody's day who thinks they got a sweet new iPad. Nice. Or iPhone or whatever. Cause, and, and I usually like, cause you, I, well, think I'm, about how your wife tracks you on there. She really does. So it's kind of, I think it works on that same principle. It's just okay. tracking your phone. Cause it, it was funny. Like I, I think last year, my wife was like, um, why are you at the neighbor's house across from your school? I was like, I'm not. Because <laughs> there's like a, what is it? Is it, is it a hundred meter? Something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it had me pinned at someone else's house and no, but she usually like, she'll know when I'm leaving work and when I'm at different places and I guess I could do the reverse, but. Uh, See, Apple has that, but it's horrible. Is it? It does not work well. Cause I used to try and mess with my wife okay. the same way, but it will. By the time it picks up her phone, it's like, oh, she's pulling in the driveway. You know, it's, like, right. it's just not that good. Well, because last, so a couple of years ago, I helped a buddy move from Cincy to New York. And um, I was tracking her on the phone, you know, just making sure she made the 10 hour trip because I went ahead of time. And she came afterwards um, to pick me up and we hung out with him for a while. And I was tracking her on the phone and literally as she was pulling around the corner, it was pulling around the corner on my phone. So a lot of times it, it fairly is, it is fairly accurate. Um, but every once in a while, it, it'll definitely get you off, off point. Uh, now my son did a funny face, but it's starting to pick up his iPhone. Oh yeah. So, and that's actually, um, one, two, three, four. That says he's two houses down from my house. And he just moved, so he must be on his bike. Okay. Um, however, I can't see my wife's location. Uh-oh. But I can go by devices, and it shows that's my iPad down there. That's That was my son's AirPod. <laughs> I didn't know those were on that. That's funny. Dude, I wonder if I could send a signal to mess with him. Oh, that'd be great if you could, like... It's got my work computer on there. Actually, that's my former work computer. I should take that off of there. I'm not sure who Batman is. <laughs> well, you at least know where he's at. I have iPod Touch. I still have one of those. Interesting. Wow. But yeah, so I'm pretty sure they have the same thing. I'm I'm going to mess with my kid here. I'm going to see if I can tag his phone. Like say something to him? So I can, um, let's see. What can I do to get, I go to his device. What did he name his phone? See, if only they could like come in and tell you like, People could oh. be like, beep, beep, Colin. I, I can play a sound. 
I can see how much battery he has left. Can you make like a farting noise? I can mark it as lost. Oh, you gotta give him like. I can erase it. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be so. I'm gonna play a sound. I'm gonna see how long until he gives me the text message. It's playing. <laughs> I wonder if I have to stop it. He might be uh, going just keep like... <laughs> <laughs> We'll just see. We'll just see. Daddy, my my thing is broken. That's what I'm waiting <sighs> for the text message. Then I'll be like in this. I'll be editing this, and we'll have like the. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> He's probably going to his mom right now. Mom, it's making noise. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's 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 got. There, I'll stop it. We'll see what. Wait, he, so he's got a Don's got a teenager. I don't have a teenager yet, but yeah. Hopefully, I mean, even right now the tracking system isn't bad, but it'll probably get even better right. by the time my daughters are. So he's he has an iPhone, and that's another reason we really like Apple is the parental controls on it are mm-hmm. unbelievable. Like that, what I can control on it, mm-hmm. and like I can see his screen time. I can see what he did during his screen time. I can grab all sorts of statistics and see like what he's done. So that's very nice because I did not want him to have a phone, but he's also kind of popular. Okay. So he gets invited to do things, and so we have one extra line, and we just take that SIM card and move it around. So who, like we have a crappy phone that everybody else has to right. use. Right. Okay. But then he bought AirPods. Because he has, he, guys, he listens to so much hip hop, and that's like what everybody in hip hop wears are AirPods. So he had to get AirPods. So what? It's his, it's his way to fall into the trend. So what you're saying is, is sometimes he's going to disobey the rules, and as a father, you don't necessarily want to discipline him as hard as you were going to. Hmm. But where have I heard this before? Um, <laughs> um, but there's times where your son doesn't always go by the rules and you it, it hurts your heart to, to, to punish him as bad as, as you know you need to, but but you know it can be a good thing. I'm either going to put the yoke on him or I'm going to lift him to my cheek, but we'll get into that translation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in Hosea um, 11, um, we will, you know, we should start doing that on purpose. You know, definitely having like a good banter, like finding a way to banter work. into our like actual work in an allegory, like a illustration. Right. <laughs> I mean, no, like because we did it on purpose, of course. Yeah, we're that good. Yeah. Um, That's the kind of quality content these people pay to hear. Absolutely. Anyway, are you getting so, the money? Because I'm not getting the money. No, no, okay. no. Just checking. So Hosea 11, um, we are, Hosea 11 is kind of a short one, um, so uh, we'll, we'll kind of... <laughs> we'll extend it out to be... <laughs> so, so banter will help. Yeah, that's what we... I don't know. Anyway. How far do you want to start? Do you want to do the first two? Um, or do you want to go all the way to I four? I think one through four, maybe. Yeah, go ahead. Um, really quick, though, before we get started, uh, some of the commentaries that I'm using is Minor Prophets 1. Dang it. Um, Elizabeth Actmeyer is, is currently the, the author of that. Um, I will probably call her Liz or Elizabeth. Um, hopefully that's not disrespectful, but I'm not even sure that I'm pronouncing Actmeyer correctly. But that's what it looks like. I also, in this podcast, will, I think I used the IVP Bible Background Commentary Old Testament. Um, both of those are, are what I'll use. Sometimes I use Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Um, so it just, just kind of depends on the week. I did not use it this week, but um, I know we've, we've in the past talked about we do this for the fun of it because we enjoy studying Scripture, and part of it is um, we just want to encourage others to do the same. So 
Um, and I'm looking up who I use to be cool like you, but... By no means are we professional. We just enjoy it and, and utilize resources of people that are smarter than us and um, hopefully use that to, to strengthen our relationship with God. And I am using, wait for it, it's coming up, <laughs> uh, Zondervan's The Expositor's Bible Commentary, Daniel through Malachi. And uh, unfortunately, I don't know off the top of my head who does the Hosea commentary because it's usually a different um, like theologian per book. Mm-hmm. And this one contains multiple. Oh, uh, darn it. I thought it'd tell me. This one contains multiple uh, books in it. it. It contains almost all the minor prophets. Uh, he, I'll, if I see the name, I'll write. Nope. Don't see the name. But yeah, um, I should learn this guy's name. I really should, but I have not yet. Uh, the biggest difference between what I've been using, and what Scott has been using is mine tends to dive into, uh, just the facts, man. Mm-hmm. Um, where yours tends to have more of the like well-rounded doctrine and theology played out into it. Right. Mine's more like in the Hebrew it says this. Uh, this section is missing. This section was destroyed beyond belief, but we found this and think this might be, you know. Right. So mine's not as pastoral as I like to say. Okay. I like to think it's because I'm so pastoral. That you don't need pastoral. Don't, yeah, you need like, to be. No, I need the facts. More man. intellectual. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Something like that. So with that, we've got intellectual and we've got pastoral yeah. um, commentaries. Then I figure by the time we're done with this podcast, I'll build out the whole commentary set because I already got like seven of them. Okay. So, you know. so you're good to go. Let's keep going on until I get all of them. Old Testament? <laughs> we should always pick a book that I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> so what book don't you have now? Well, actually, that one will have Joel in it, so I'll, I guess I'll have to stick with it. Okay. Whatever. All right. So with that, um, Hosea 11, 1 through 4. Um, we are reading out of the ESV. Um, most of the time. <laughs> when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. All right. What you got? Uh, Quite a bit out of that first verse, more than I thought I would get. Uh, One of the things that's pointed out is that um, when Israel was a child, I loved him, but there's never the pointing out of the reciprocal. Um, It's never Israel. As a matter of fact, it shows later when you get into the end of two, despite showing his love, they keep sacrificing Mm -hmm. to Baal and burnt offerings. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting on its own front. That even though uh, he says, you know, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Uh, Israel never really came back to say, and as a father, we loved you. Like, that's mm-hmm. never, it, it, it's not like I loved him and that he loved me. It's just like I loved him. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of devastating in yeah. a way as a dad hearing that. Yeah. And you see a very fatherly picture here of, of really how God kind of raised him and grew him and took care of him. And and you're right. You never see that reciprocal of, of, of love back to them. I kind of, so I, I put, um, I kind of saw it as like a, a teenager. 
Um, I get, I get the picture of like a, a rebellious teenager or like a traumatized foster or adopted kid, mm. um, that, that's been through a lot or, or a teenager that just seems to know every, everything. And, and they, they kind of reject the very love that can save them. Mm. You know, you, you, you tell a teenager, well, here's some wisdom, here's some advice that I have for you. And they're like, what, you know, I already got this. Um, but then when they're older and, and they, they experience it, um, they then realize, Ooh, you know, maybe my daddy cared or maybe that advice or wisdom is something I should have listened to. Um, and there's that very rejection of of that thing that can save, protect them, um, help them to, to grow up. And, and, and there's just that that pure rebellion. And so that's kind of the picture that that I got just as I was thinking through, well, what does that kind of look like? And it's like, OK, so, you know, Israel Ephraim is, is, is kind of that that picture right there. Mm-hmm. Now, this next part. And out of Egypt, I called my son. I'm sure you have the Matthew two. You know, I I was references. I don't. I was reading that this morning. What? I was like, wait a second, <laughs> that is totally New Testament. And I was like, where did I hear that in the New Testament? Because I was reviewing this morning. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't get. She didn't mention anything about that. And I was like, and I didn't go back. I didn't have time to go back and look at it today. But I hope you do though. Yeah, I got quite a bit. So um, I think it might actually read straight there. I should have pulled this up. I'm pulling up Matthew 2.15. I don't think it's... Uh, why am I in Philippians? Because my church is going through Philippians. Okay. Um, and... Uh, uh, we'll start with 13. Uh, shortly after Jesus is, Jesus is born, uh, obviously Herod's like gone... Uh, infocidal maniac mm-hmm. and he's going after all the baby boys wants them dead it says uh, basically now when they had departed behold an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream he said rise take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you for Herod is about uh, is about to search for the child to destroy him and he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Hosea out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, it's a little problematic there um, in that it says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. Hmm. There's no specific pointer at that point as to that's a messianic prophecy. However, if you take Matthew as a whole and look at it, it almost reads like a... Uh, um, dispensationalist end times chart. <laughs> huh. So uh, basically it goes like this. Matthew parallels Hosea using Jesus's story to show the similarities between the Exodus and the life of Christ. Jesus comes out of Egypt and goes through the water, his baptism, just as the Israelites go out of Egypt and go through the waters of the Red Sea and the Jordan River. Jesus is tempted in the desert for 40 days as the Israelites were tempted in the desert for 40 years. Uh, he then e- exits the wilderness to speak the law on the mountain in Matthew's five through, Matthew ver- chapters 5 through 7, just as Moses uh, came down to the Mount Sinai to give the law. Uh, so we look at this as a type and say Jesus is the true ideal Israel. Uh, we can go a step farther and say God redeemed his people through the Exodus, and now he's going to redeem his people again through Christ. Hmm. Okay. So and that's all pretty much taken from the commentary. I was not smart enough to figure that out on my own. Right, right. But he basically lays out, he, he states that Matthew is laying out um, a parallel between Israel's history, the Exodus, Hosea, and the life of Christ. There's a parallel of 
fulfillment there. Okay. So Jesus being the true ideal Israel. Huh. And what verses was that? It was Matthew 2, what? Uh, 13 through 15 is what I read. 13 through 15, okay. And then the type, and if you, I don't know if you've ever done it. I did a little at CCU, but the whole like Jesus is the true and better David. Um, Jesus is like the true and better Noah, like the type, the better, new and better Moses, new and better Abraham. Like basically you can take all the flaws Mm -hmm. of your quote unquote heroes and chuck them out and then put in the actual uh, perfection of Christ in those roles. So you can say, you know, uh, David was a king, man after God's own heart. He was, you know, a mighty warrior. He was there for the good of his people. But then you look at his failures with, you know, he had multiple moral failures from murder to, uh, you know, sexual discretion to looking the other way as his uh, son rapes his daughter to fleeing his kingdom that he rightfully should have been, uh, you know, in charge of so on and so forth. So you would say Jesus is the true and better David. Hmm. He's a warrior. He saves his people. He rescues them, but he does it without the infidelity, without abandoning his post, without leaving his people. Okay. That, so that's the typology that you could do. So hmm. Matthew, the argument is that Matthew is written to show Jesus is the true and better Israel Got to it. the Jewish people. Okay. So. Oh, very interesting. So, yeah, next time you read through Matthew, keep Exodus in mind and see how many parallels you could draw. Okay. Because I, I we've been studying Matthew kind of as a family and kind of individually on my own. Well, now you got to start over. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, no, I've, I've at least seen a lot of Deuteronomy there. Mm. Um, and, and since Deuteronomy pulls a lot from yeah. Exodus, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't think when I was studying this that the, the, that went back to that I even had that in the Hosea. What's that? I don't know. The the Hosea, oh, was... yeah, yeah. Um, because I started getting into a deeper study of Matthew four, when I was like, I am enjoying this because I originally started just with my daughters, and Matthew four, I was like, you know, I'm well, going to go deeper in myself. Also, think of it is Jesus laying out the law on the Sermon on the the Mount mm-hmm. or the Discourse on the Hill. Thank you, Dallas Willard. All right. Um, but yeah, so that is kind of I never really thought about that. But there's really a gotta look at that. lot of old because because uh, when we were doing the Deuteronomy podcast, I was like, wow, there is man Matthew and Paul, man, they were beasts. They knew their Deuteronomy, they knew their their Exodus, they knew their Old Testament well. Well, even the account of Herod killing children—that's Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. That echoes there, huh? So no, Matthew's been Very a lot of fun. Interesting. Although the commentary I've been using for that is pretty big. It's like two books that are over. Uh, do you know who? Yes. You don't have to right now if it's. Um, While well, you do that, I'm looking through Matthew. I'm like, oh, what, what other parallels can I find? It is called. Um, it's by Frederick, Frederick, Dale Bruner. Um, and his first commentary is like a crazy amount of hundred pages. I have it on. Um, a crazy amount of hundred. Well, I have it on Kindle, and I had the original book, and I was using it so much it, it fell to pieces. Um, and so the first volume is chapter one through twelve, and the second oh, volume is twelve through the rest of it. So, yeah. I want to go a little closer and see what that looks like. That'd be an interesting study. So anyway, um, smart OT people. So with that. Uh, yeah. Anything else for the one through one through four? Um, the parental 
nature of God is shown here, the, the more tender side, I guess you could say. Um, it says, yet it was I who taught you from the walk. This is a very parental commitment statement. Like I was there in the beginning. I was there with you. I nurtured you. Um, the part that the translators have had, uh, well, I'll come back to that before I get there. At the end of three, uh, he says, but they did not know that I healed them. He doesn't really give a an example of what that was. Was that like through the wilderness? Was this a political thing, a forgiveness thing, providing protection or provision for Israel? He didn't really... He, he basically states the commentator says he doesn't really know why or not why, but what that's pertaining to. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really get into depth on it. He kind of punted. Okay. Uh, but when you get to the uh, uh, verse four, excuse me, I can't drink Coke while I do this. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, Coke zero people. I'm watching my figure, you know, anyway. Um, I led them with cords of kindness and with bands of love. Uh, those are once again very uh, paternal in nature. Those first two. So translators would come across the next line and say, "And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them." They have looked at the translation, and for some reason, I put the Hebrew letters in here, but I did not put the actual words. Oh no. Um, but they are very, very close to each other as far as what the lettering looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, he says the uh, emendation, which is basically like the improvement of the text over time, like where they've been able to find what this actually means. Uh, instead of being the one who eases the yoke on their jaws, it would be more like the one who lifts him up to his cheek. Hmm. So it gives you the um, look of a parent lifting a child up. Uh, it's, it's, he's a specifically an infant. Uh, to his cheek. So basically like coming in to give a hug and then oh, bending wow. down to feed them. Um, he says that that's becoming more popular as a translation. And we might see that in the future, but right now the like texts that they have outweigh the switch in that word. Hmm. So the word yoke there, or that little phrase around the ease of the yoke is a, um, is the contested characters. And when you look at them, I don't know if you can see my handwriting. So the people at home, um, that's yoke. So it looks almost like a seven, a colon and a Y. Uh-huh. Um, and over here, it looks like a seven, a smaller seven and a Y. Okay. So that little col I don't know what the name of the Hebrew characters are off the top of my head, but those characters apparently are close enough that that could change the, or alter the imagery here a bit. It kind of makes it, yeah, because I can see where I bent down to them and fed them, I guess would make sense from a... Right, because you don't bend down to feed an ox. Yeah, because I was trying to think of like the yoke and the jaws. And I was like, I mean, I guess that goes to last week when we in 10. I think right. in 10 was when we talked about it, So I was like, okay, I could see where it would connect there. Um, but... Well, the, I think that he claims the other part that I led them with cords of kindness and with bands of love. Mm-hmm. That's not like a, I led them with a, a rope through the field or I plot. Because on top of that, like usually when you plot, you'd stand behind them and they would pull you. Right. So it, that definitely seems to show more of a parental, like you're, you know, the bands of love and stuff. Like you're kind of guiding the child on the way with something tender as opposed to like 
whipping an ox or like tying it to a yoke and making it work. Right. Okay. So that, that was his defense. Um, and he actually pulled it from a couple other, um, that was cited by a couple other sources. Okay. Okay. I I think it's a better image. I don't think that one way or the other changes what the text is showing. Um, we're still seeing, I mean, one who eases the yoke on their jaws is still a a tender move. Like I'm taking the hard labor off of Mm -hmm. you, but I think the idea of, um, I became the one who lifts you to my cheek shows that fatherly, like, hey, come here. It's going to be okay. Hey, come in here. I'm going to show you love. It's more of a... Which fits with the fatherly picture of the context with it. So... Right. I mean, that would... I that, taught you to walk. Yeah. I, you know, I since you were young, I loved you. Like, all that. Yeah, that would yeah, make... A, yeah. I know that there's some macho man out there that's like, mm, making it sound like, man... There's a nurture side to every parent. Oh, I yeah. have five kids. Dude, it was not like, you know, military push-ups from the time they were two years old. You know, it wasn't like, we're doing pull-ups and we're going to be strong and tough. It's like, man, there are many moments of like, they fell and hurt themselves and I'm pulling them in for a hug. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if that drives you nuts, you got to get over yourself a little bit. Right. So. And God's got those moments, but God's also got those compassionate moments as well. And most of y'all are too cowardly to write me an email getting mad at me anyway, so don't talk about how tough you are. Because <laughs> Bakesh at Outlook.com gets no emails. So there. You're yeah. trying to get people to send an email. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Tell me I'm wrong. Come on. All you have to do is type you're wrong. Yeah. If you want to get crazy, you can like send me like Hebrew and stuff, mm-hmm. and I'll read it. You'll just be happy you got an email. Yeah, but you won't care what it says. God, guess what we got? We got an email. (laughs) So yeah, that's all I got. Did you get anything? No, actually, I did not get anything huge out of that. My my eleven was fairly short, in all honesty. So she did not killing time here. She didn't give me a lot. Um, So five through seven. Uh, Yeah, uh, go nuts. Um, They shall not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. The sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, and devour them because of their own counsels. My people are bent on turning away from me, and though they call me out of the Most High, out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. And just like that, we've turned back into a judgment passage. Yes. <laughs> um... And my first comment was, seems like a passage of discipline. Yeah. Um, that was pretty much my, my first comment right there. Um, so although God um, would like to rescue them, um, they've had, to, I mean, there's consequences that, that come with actions. Um, they will not return to Egypt. Um, this may have referenced King Hosea's attempt to enlist Egypt into the um, into the thing uh, to get aid from from the Assyrian yoke. Um, uh, this was would have been, I guess, after the death of Tiglath Pilatsar. Pilatsar, um, the third. Doctor Sarah Fudge, shout out. Second <laughs> um, King seventeen four. Um, if they don't want God's help, um, he will sit and watch. Um, Assyria will be their king. Um, it's not a lack of love, but actually an act of love. Um, we see where we're disciplined even in the New Testament. Is it Hebrews? Well, somewhere in the New Testament, um, we get this picture of, of, of discipline. Um, so a lot of times, um, again, discipline isn't always a bad thing. Um, it can be an act of love to bring you back to where you need to be. Um, and right now, um, Israel is a hot mess. And, and 
Um, God desires a deep relationship with them. However, um, they are choosing to continue to be disobedient. And um, uh, some ways that this can be looked at as well is that it says, uh, they shall not return to the land of Egypt, uh, which once again, you brought up Hosea, but that's also a, uh, there's a judgment on the land. Uh, We saw before that, uh, in Hosea, God is basically saying, I can make it so it doesn't rain. I can make it so that the land is cursed and like it does not produce so that you'll see that I'm God and that it's not Baal that does this for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would be saying essentially like, oh, well, if it's not going to work here, we'll go back to Israel. We know it's, you know, lush there. And God's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not escaping the, the punishment here. Like Assyria is going to come and get you. Like you're not going to be able to just walk to Egypt and like have all your problems solved. Like it, it would be the equivalent of like if we... uh you know, if we're gambling, blow all the money, and then say, well, I'm just going to go to bank and get another loan. You know, it's like God saying, no, 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 you're not going to go back. Other uh, commentators say that it shows that Israel says, well, I can go back to um, the bondage of sin and other gods. And God's saying, I'm not giving you the chance for that. Like, you're not going to go back and worship something else and think that it's going to save you from this because Assyria is going to come in before that can happen. So there's a couple of different branches, branches that, can, that you can take. Yeah, you can go out on there. But as with all things in the in Hosea, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, sometimes that's hard to really get. Right. Because of all the symbolism and the, you know, like prophetic nature of the words. Yeah. And then even sometimes it being disconnected and yeah, with the, <laughs> the historical fall of Israel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Either way, it's bad news, right? right? Like, yeah, you you don't want to. Whichever branch you take, it's it leads to nothing. (laughs) So, anything else? No, that's all I really got on that section there. Eight through nine, dude. Whenever an animal walks past that window, I'm like, it's a pterodactyl coming to destroy us. Yeah, because that's like the only sun, and it's like, yeah, we're we're in the uh, basement studio, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you Scott has like the glass block windows, and you can't see what walks past it. But if it does, like it takes the sun away for a second. And the sun is like bright down right yeah. into the our faces, like, and so it's like pitch black, light again. Yeah. What tried to eat the house? <laughs> yeah, kinda, so. Okay. Yeah, that's all. Um, so eight through nine. Um, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zibium? Um, my heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. Yeah. There's a good thing that he's God and not man, because I know that if someone made me that angry and someone treated me like that, I'd be like, <laughs> what can I do back to you? Um, and we really see, I think, a picture of God's love and compassion and, and just a deep desire for an intimate relationship with his people, um, which I think can bring us back to, um, to the heart of, of what we want to, I mean, again, he desires that deep, intimate relationship. Um, and I think in the beginning of the book, we saw that marriage relationship with Jose and Gamora. Wait, Gamora, no, not Gamora. Gamora is the Marvel character. Um, Gomer. <laughs> Gomer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this little bit. man now now Jose is Star Lord and uh, <laughs> Gomer's Gamora. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just 
So so yeah, I, I think it's because Adma and Zeboim. Mm-hmm. or whatever it is, uh, were cities that were in the same plane as Sodom and Gomorrah that were destroyed mm-hmm. um, along with them. Yeah, so, so I thought you were referencing that. No, no. So if you look in Deuteronomy 29, 23, you'll see where these cities were, were destroyed along with Sodom and Gomorrah. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Gomorrah? it's Gomorrah. Okay, yeah, yeah, now, yeah. now I don't and even, Gomer, I don't even trust myself. Um, I was like, what's your possible? Right <laughs> so anyway... Um, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> so yeah, they're um, God is saying, "How can I make you like these, like desolate, blown out, utterly destroyed cities?" And he goes on to answer that uh, kind of rhetorical, uh, rhetorical question by saying, "Like, even though I could do it, like I'm not a man who goes out and seeks revenge or seeks like to uh, destroy for the sake of destroying." Instead, he says, "Hey." I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. I will not come in wrath. So he's showing restraint, mm-hmm. but he's also showing a commitment to his nature, which is, um, I have chosen you, I've drawn you out, I've made you my people, so I'm going to refine and purify you. I'm going to continue, even though, and I think you used a teenage uh, explanation earlier, mm-hmm. like, even though you're a rebellious teenager, I still have... Uh, the hope and desire to see you become a responsible man. Out Absolutely, of this. yeah. Um, so he's doing that. He's not just gonna say like, "You're not my son anymore. You're dead to me." You know, he's not gonna right. like hire a hunting party to go out and kill them or destroy them. He's going to continue to try and see them grow. Well, I always hear like people say that, "Oh, in the Old Testament, God is so mean and angry and Only violent." Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But but I mean here we see we really do see God's compassion. I mean he is he's got grief, he's lamenting, he's he's crying and weeping over the potential destruction of Israel. He's not finding great joy in it. Right. Um and the same thing, you know, if you're disciplining a teenager, you're disciplining your own kid. Um you don't find joy in providing a punishment right. or or um, taking something away from them or grounding them or or having a, a firm discussion and talk with them. There's nothing enjoyable about that. Um, and it does sadden you to have those conversations and to deal with that discipline, yet you know that if you don't, that they're going to end up in a much worse spot than where they are now. Exactly. Um, and so I think, again, you're right. I think that this picture just continues that where where God is not excited about this discipline that's having to be poured upon Israel. Um, but we're going to see as we continue through these minor prophets and, and the prophets in general, Sometimes that discipline needs to happen so that restoration can happen and they can be brought back to that relationship that God desires to have with his people. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, all I got on that. (laughs) And I think, was it Hebrews? It's going to bug me. Hebrews 11. That's the. Oh, that's the faith one, isn't it? Yeah, it's the infamous. Oh, is it 12? No, maybe it's 12. My pop shield is fighting today. Um, Everything is fighting me today. So sorry, guys. You might hear some creaking in the microphone as I try and readjust my pop shield. Um, okay, so Hebrews twelve seven. Um, if it is for you, 
If it is for discipline that you have to endure, God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Mm. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Um, But again, dishing out discipline is, is usually not quite as... It's not it's not fun either. Getting disciplined and doing the discipline both I think is is something that is not necessarily always enjoyed. I'm taking it off. I'm just going to hold it. There we go. Yeah, he's like playing spinny spin with the uh it's a pop filter a, mm-hmm. and it's does not want to stay on the mic arm, so I'm going to hold it. I swear these mic arms are deteriorating every week. <laughs> So like last week I got popped a little. Oh yeah, the little in and thingy, and now you got the the spinny. Uh, the pop filter is not yeah. holding. I'm gonna, you know, I could probably alter that. Oh, it's not on tight. Oh, oh there we go. I'm not put. I'm holding it here. For I the think rest you fixed it. I was gonna no, say we don't have too much. I mean, no. so ten through eleven then. Yeah, sorry to. Well, you might as well go through twelve. Ten through twelve. See, I have twelve as being eleven, twelve as being part of. 11, 12 through 12, 1. Okay, do 10 through 11 and we'll... But do you, do you have something for 11, 12? Um, I have something for 11, but not 12. Okay. So we'll stop at 11, 11. Yeah. Cool. So 11, 10 through 11, 11. They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria, and I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. So actually, I think right here we see a restoration. We see the discipline. We see the restoration eventually coming from that. That's basically all I have. Yeah. yeah. Judgment is not the end here. Restoration is still the goal. Mm -hmm. So Um, I'm trying to think. Um, We get more of the... Uh, like drawing out of the of them as the birds kind of thing, but yeah. I could, there wasn't a whole lot of like magic notes on that at all yeah. that I could find. I, I think it just follows a continual theme that we see through most of the minor prophets, where um, good relationship, then they sin, um, God judges slash dis- discipline happens, restoration occurs, and then restart the whole cycle over again. Now, I guess you could try and figure out. It says, they, they shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling. So, I mean, you're seeing that ultimate power of who God is mm-hmm. and his proclamations and how his world is. So I think it, basically it's like instilling a healthy fear. But he says, they shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. Um It's like he's kind of saying like the ones coming from Assyria might come with a bit of a... A uh, firmer foundation because mm-hmm. they're not trembling; they're coming like more of a, you know, a stronger dove. So it is; it does kind of show that picture of um, refinement. Right? Gonna, they're going to come back with maybe a little more confidence in who God is and what He's doing. Yeah, they're not fighting anymore. Where right. so far in most of Hosea, all of Hosea, we see a lot of Israel continuing to fight and rebel. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and now they see that Bale is not necessarily their solution. Um, he's not the one that's providing fertility. They do have a relationship. They're not running away from him, but they're they're coming home. Kind of like a prodigal son type thing, maybe. Well, I'd be interested to know like how far Bale worship or when it at what point it really died out as a deity. That's true. I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to take a look. I've got several books that probably talk about it. I'll have, okay. to, I'll have to take a peek at them. Because he's not one of those that, you know, in, in school you hear, oh, yeah, I worship Allah. I worship Yahweh. I, uh, I worship Baal. I worship yeah. God. I worship Baal. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, that, uh, that's not one. Don't, we don't see it as something that traveled through to other cultures at all, really. No, it was mostly Middle East. Well, even by, even by the it? New Testament, there was no mention of Baal. Any Canaanite religion in New Testament? Hmm. No, I think we see, because I think we got a lot of the Greek, a lot of Hellenization, a lot of Greek influence, a lot of Roman influence, obviously. So you got that pantheon of Caesars and stuff like that. But on the Jewish side, you've got some Gnosticism. You've got... We've got that 400 years between the last prophet. Right. That's when I'm wondering if things started to... And Jesus. The incremental period. Yeah. I'm curious now. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know how Baal worship... Like, was it just... I mean, I'm assuming Assyria possibly did not have Baal worship? I don't know. I'd have to... Now, I probably have notes on that, too. I should... All those OT classes should have something. That'd be interesting. Yeah, now I'm curious, right? Pardon us Um, while we do a quick uh, search here. I'm saying if I can... Syrian worship. Let's see. Oh, yes. It says uh, part of the Syrian pantheon was Asher. Oh, depending, was it Assyrian or Neo-Assyrian? Okay. They're different time periods. Are they? One's 14th century, and then they had a re... uh, uh, The Neo-Assyrians were probably the ones that we're talking about now. They were more of the 7th century. Got it. The original were like the 13th or 14th, but they had Asher. Looks like that was their main god. Sorry, guys. I know this is exhilarating. We're just trying to see here. So I don't know. So maybe next week, or we'll have if we remember a different. We're bad at that. <laughs> here, let me put it in my yeah. Make a note. Notes. Culture. I'm looking for like their pantheons, but I can't find. So the history of Baal or where it disappeared. Well, it looks like they might have uh, had some of it because like they. Um, 7th century copies of the Gilgamesh epic were found on Neo-Assyrian uh, tablets. Mostly Aramaic. The main cities that exist were Nineveh, Asher, Kalu. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. Yep, so anyway, we'll get back to you so that we, we don't bore you. Um, yeah, that's just, I'm just wondering we'll, how Baal worship died out. I'd like yeah. to find out. So we will hopefully find out um, when Baal worship uh, died out, if you're interested. And if not, then we're still going to find right out. Now, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I've, got, I've got the ancient Near East. Or no, I've got the Hebrew. 
No, I forgot. It's a handbook of like the worship of like Israelite religions. Right. So I'll have to see if okay. there's anything in there. Yeah, because I'm curious now. I never even thought about that, but it was like, well, that's true. We don't have yeah. Baal worship anymore, and um, it's like it's like you had like in David's time, you had like Dagon big time. Mm-hmm. You had Baal big time. You had Molech in there somewhere. Yeah, that would have come in at least by Solomon, but I'm assuming before. Yeah, because that was part of Hezekiah and... Well, Solomon sacrificed his kids to Molech. Yeah, so did um, Hezekiah's dad. What was his name? Um, Ahaz? Maybe. I don't know. But hey, yeah. Anyway. We'll, we'll so, try to find yeah. out for you. We'll, All right. Cool with that. We so... can't show how stupid we are until next episode. <laughs> I mean, yes. We're going to save all of this information. Yes, I'm going to pull out the Dead Sea Scrolls I have in my garage. So to be continued is what we really meant to say, not um, we'll look up this because we're curious. No, we're just curious. Yeah. All right. So with that, um, ooh, you know, I didn't even bring up because we we usually go for like a post-podcast walk. I didn't even bring up um, me getting bit by a pit bull last week. Yeah. So, hey, we're going to be done with Hosea. But if you want to hear the story of the pit bull. Stay right here, <laughs> right after our sponsor. We have no sponsor. Scott, tell us about the pit bull. Oh, I'm, I'm telling it this episode? Oh, or you can save it. I don't care. I was going to say, that might be like, a, no, I don't know. How much time do we have? All right, all right. We'll, we'll leave it at a cliffhanger. Okay, so remind me. Well, we got, I mean, typically we go about an hour. We're at 48 minutes. Well, let's make that our good banter for next time. All right. Therefore, so I will put it in my notes. Oh, everybody's like, he got, what, pit bull, what, and nothing. We're not telling you until next time. Yep. I got bit by a pit bull after last week's podcast. And we'll explain. Well, you know what? By then, we'll have more of the. uh, Oh, yeah. There's more. Because right uh, now. more of We'll have the completion of the story. Right. Because right now, I don't have to go through rabies shots because the dog is still alive, I think. Dun, dun. Dun. But if it doesn't live for 10 days, the story's going to be very different. But why would a dog bite you if it didn't have rabies? Stay tuned next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.